my name is Emily Hines, and I attend Houston City Council meetings and take notes, and now I am sharing those notes with you. Today's notes are from the council meeting on June 7th, 2023, in which the big bad budget vote occurs. But first, let us begin with the mayor's report. In July of 2022, the Federal Department of Justice opened an investigation into possible civil rights violations in the way the city responds to illegal dumping. This week, the city and the DOJ reached a resolution due in large part to One Clean Houston, which is Mayor Turner's plan to address dumping and litter. Houston received a $36.9 million grant from the Federal Railroad Crossing Elimination Program to build underpasses in the East End. Mayor Turner praised Councilmember Gallegos for his railroad-related advocacy. There is a gun buyback event on Saturday, June 10th at Energy Park in the yellow parking lot. It's a collab with Harris County Precinct 1. Higher Houston youth is 3,000 short of their 20,000 hiring goal. Mayor Turner credited Councilmember Cisneros' advocacy and said, the tree is really bearing a lot of fruit. He also said, quote, it doesn't make any sense for a 17-year-old to be robbing or stealing when a 17-year-old can get online and get a job and get paid for it and get all the other benefits as well, end quote. Calling out 17-year-olds is very specific. He might be referring to the two 17-year-old teens arrested for robbery and assault along the Columbia Tap Trail. Mayor Turner finally encouraged support of Pride Month and plugged the Pride Parade on June 24th. Next, I will briefly go over some non-budget-related agenda items. Item 3 approved $76,000 for playground equipment for the airports. The supporting document said, quote, the play areas at... HOU and IAH have proven to be passenger favorites. This purchase is to maintain the high-level standard expected at the five-star and four-star airports. Items 19 through 22 approve the acceptance of various grants for immunization and vaccines, lead paint, hazard reduction, and substance abuse prevention. Item 23 approved $270,000 to hire a law firm to help with various litigation matters. Item 24 approved up to $768,000 for the law firm that has been helping with legal services related to the consent decree from the EPA, which is an agreement that Houston will spend $2 billion to upgrade the sewer system, which often overflows during flood events. Item 27 updates an agreement with Solaire Holman and Reliant which work together to provide the city with solar energy produced in Alpine, Texas. This amendment cleans up some provisions related to forced outages and energy shortfalls, and it will result in Solar Holman reimbursing the city $37,000 for some shortfalls in the first year of their contract. And going forward, it should be easier for the city to recoup those losses. Item 29 approved an interlocal agreement between the city and Harris County for the design and construction of a pedestrian and bike bridge over Braze Bayou in Districts K and C. Councilmember Kamen highlighted and thanked Commissioner Ellis and the mayor, which was a major difference from Councilmember Evan Shabazz's commentary around similar projects in District D. Item 39 approved using $2.3 million of the Dedicated Drainage and Street Renewal Fund, or as we like to call it, the DDSRF, for traffic calming devices across the city. So these are things like traffic circles and speed cushions, directional islands, and bulb out islands, which I have no idea what that means. Item 40 approved $4 million from the same fund for new traffic signals. Okay, now it is budget time. A few notes to get us prepped. Houston's fiscal year lasts July through June. 
And so the budget is named for the end year of the fiscal season. We're getting ready for fiscal year 2024, a.k.a. FY 2024, or FY24, depending on how much time you have. The annual budget funds every department, so solid waste, public works, police, and fire, and some of their programs, but not all, because we do get some grant funding for some stuff that's not included in this general budget. Funding for the budget includes our tax dollars, state and federal money, investment returns, and more. I will do my best to explain things, but space constraints and time constraints and my own limited knowledge means I can't do it all, so I kindly direct you to your nearest internet search engine for some deeper dives. I will begin with the mayor's opening remarks. This year's budget is $6.2 billion, which is $380 million higher than last year. Increases are driven in part by pay raises to police, fire, and municipal employees. In 2016, the city faced three credit liabilities that harmed our credit rating, which will affect those investment returns I mentioned earlier. Number one was municipal employee pensions. The city has since decreased pension debt from $8.2 billion to $2.2 billion. Still a crazy amount. We're talking billions. Number two, other post-employee benefits are OPEB, which is still a concern, but reforms are in the work, including this year there's a $10 million trust to pay it down, which will continue on in future years. And finally, number three, the revenue cap, about which Mayor Turner said, quote, it is what it is, end quote, LOL. American Rescue Plan Act, or ARPA funding, has been instrumental for programs like One Safe Houston and One Clean Houston, but even without it, the budget could have been balanced by using the general fund balance. And moving on to the general fund balance, which is extra unaccounted for money, it's the highest it has been in eight years. This is our very own rainy day fund. The balance is $405 million, which is $220 million more than required. This is the first year the city has used outcome-based budgeting. And finally, Councilmember Kubosh asked about Senate Bill 736, which will require the firefighters union and the city to reach a contract agreement through binding arbitration. There's been lots of discuss around this for a while, and there was more uh, more discussion than I'm going to go over today. I'll just say Mayor Turner praised the HFD rank and file, but accused their leadership of working against their best interests. He thinks the state is meddling in affairs they have neither knowledge nor expertise in, but ultimately said it's a budget issue for next year. It's hard to unpack this issue, but there is a really good article that we'll link to in um, the show notes. So I recommend digging into it. It's not going away anytime soon. It'd be good to wrap all of our minds around it. Next, we'll move on to the amendments of the budget. The budget process is the only time that council members can initiate policy changes on their own using the amendment process. Each council member can propose amendments to the budget, which then get voted on by council. It's rare, but it is possible for the mayor to get outvoted. Unfortunately, it didn't happen this year, but I have seen it happen in the past. Nine out of 16 council members put forth 25 amendments in total. Most were withdrawn, but six made it to a vote and five of them passed. I'll start with at-large Councilmember Plummer's Amendment 4.01, which proposed an equitable distribution of storm drainage funding and street and traffic control projects in the Capital Improvement Plan, colloquially known as the CIP. Plummer explained that the CIP has not been updated since 2010 and it does not prioritize the neediest areas. 
Mayor Turner explained that as our debt liability goes down, which is happening because of all that OPEB and pension reform I mentioned earlier, more money will go into the dedicated drainage and street renewal fund, that's the DDSRF, and there is a plan to update the CIP coming up. The proposed budget also includes more money for the Stormwater Action Team, or SWAT. Councilmember Martin said this amendment is excellent, but it is a policy recommendation, not a budgetary amendment. He mentioned the Northeast Action Collective's advocacy and said their demands have been met elsewhere. To the NAC advocates in the chamber, he said, quote, I hope you walk away from this appreciating that we have listened to your concerns and have addressed those concerns, end quote. Councilmember Kamen remarked on equity and increasing density, which affects flooding. She mentioned a forthcoming study that will include a prioritization system. Councilmember Plummer did withdraw this amendment as it has been addressed in other areas, but the conversation was valuable. At large, Councilmember Sally Alcorn proposed Amendment 5.01, which was an additional one-time $500,000 to BARC for adoption trailers and other vehicles. Mayor Turner supported this amendment. Councilmember Martin took issue with it for very unclear reasons and voted no, but it still passed. Councilmember Peck of District A proposed several amendments. I'm going to cut a few of them from the podcast report because they are technical and they didn't pass anyways, but if you really need to know, you can check them out on the website, which is emilytakesnotes.com. Okay, PEC 6.01 proposed an annually recurring $425,000 to hire five extra auditors for the controller's office. Mayor Turner did not support this amendment and said Controller Brown is constantly complaining that the sky is falling financially, so why should we give him more money? This amendment was voted on, but it failed. 6.02 proposed that audit reports be presented to the Budget and Fiscal Affairs Committee within 90 days of their production. Mayor Turner supported this amendment and it passed. There was no money involved, though. 6.04 proposed that heavy waste depositories use the HTX Collects app to report wait times so that people can plan accordingly when they're taking stuff to the dump. Peck withdrew this amendment, but plans to work with solid waste on an ordinance. 6.05 would let residents use any biodegradable bag for their yard waste rather than the bags required by the city. Currently, a short discussion ensued on the crappiness of the city bags, and Mayor Turner joked that he is not responsible for those bags. They were chosen before his tenure. Peck withdrew this amendment and referred it to the Equality of Life Committee. 6.07 is an annually recurring $375,000 for the Department of Neighborhoods to hire five more code enforcement officers. Mayor Turner pointed out that the city already plans to hire six new officers. Several council members suggested each district have its own officer, but Councilmember Cisneros objected because some districts, like hers, are larger than others. Peck withdrew this amendment and referred it to the Regulatory and Neighborhood Affairs Committee. And just in case you're wondering what the Department of Neighborhoods code enforcement officers would do, um, they're the ones that bother you about your lawns being too high or having a boat parked in your driveway, stuff like that. PEG 6.08 proposed that the Houston Public Library partner with the Harris County Public Library on digital services. Turner supported this amendment and it passed. Now we can move on to Councilmember Jackson of District B, who proposed Amendment 7.01. $20 million redirected to local drainage projects, prioritizing the most critical areas. Prior to 2001, ditch maintenance was the city's, not the property owner's, responsibility. This amendment will provide the remaining funding necessary to reactivate this $40 million public works program so that the city can be in charge of ditch maintenance once again. 
Councilmember Jackson thanked the Northeast Action Collective for their work on this. Councilmember Plummer pointed out flood events are caused by regular rain, not just disasters, so we need to keep those ditches in working order. Councilmember Castix Tatum said that three-quarter of the city's open ditches are in the north, so they will receive the most help. Councilmember Huffman thanked the mayor for additional SWAT funding that will be divided evenly amongst all of the districts, a pretty pointed critique. Councilmember Cisneros thanked the Northeast Action Collective for their effort that will help the whole city. She said, quote, what's happening here today is definitely going to be a big help to District H. We've heard that 80% of all the ditches are in BIPOC communities and that 40% of those are not functioning properly. District H is a ditch district there everywhere, end quote. Councilmember Robinson looks forward to having this at the Transportation Technology and Infrastructure Committee, and he said, quote, this is, I think, historic and monumental. I'm really excited about the justice that's being served today, end quote. Councilmember Kamen applauded the resident-driven effort that led to this amendment that is changing city policy. It's a big deal. She said, quote, it's going to impact these neighborhoods that were built poorly to begin with because of where they were and who was living there, and that's not right, end quote. After the vote that granted this amendment, huge cheers could be heard from the members of the Northeast Action Collective present in the chamber. It was a really, really good moment and very celebratory. Councilmember Cayman of District C had a few proposed amendments. 8.01 was a one-time cost of $60,000 to provide menstrual products inside the restrooms of city buildings. The health department already plans to do this, so Cayman withdrew. 8.02 proposed a one-time $240,000 cost for a gun violence injury dashboard run by the health department using data from all emergency departments and not just the police department. There was lots of dissent on this one. Which was surprising to me. Councilmember Martin questioned the objective, thinks police and EMS are too busy to upload the data and is worried about HIPAA. He said, quote, no way you'll get this done. Councilmember came and responded that the departments will not be uploading data. The dashboard is a system that works with existing data, and the objective is to aid in gun violence prevention. She encouraged everyone to defer to public health experts. Councilmember Knox accused this amendment of using the medical health field to work around the Second Amendment, which you might remember is the right to bear arms. Councilmember Martin wanted it to go to the Public Safety Committee, came in firmly said, no, the study has been done. This is what the studies showed is needed. In a twist that surprised me, Councilmember Cisneros said this amendment only admires the problem rather than takes action. Although Mayor Turner did initially support the amendment, he asked Cayman to withdraw it and send it to committee, and she agreed, with the caveat it will be addressed within 90 days. Amendment 8.03 proposed a one-time $600,000 transfer to the Forensic Science Center as a stopgap measure until grant funding comes through in the fall. This amendment passed. Councilmember Martin of District E proposed 10.01 which is a fee increase at the Memorial Park public golf course due to the course's elite status and increased maintenance costs. Council members came in and Gallegos advocated for the course to remain affordable for the Houston public. Martin did withdraw it and he referred it to the Quality of Life Committee. Councilmember Gallegos of District I had a few. 14.02 proposed $410,000 in ARPA funding, which would expand a railroad monitoring project, increasing monitor sites from 18 to 35. Gallego said the data from this project likely helped the city win that $36.9 million grant that I mentioned earlier. 
Mayor Turner said we can't use ARPA money for this, but he wants to look at other funding. Gallegos withdrew this amendment and referred it to Transportation Technology and Infrastructure Committee. 14.03 proposed a fee for new developments to pay for new trash containers, which cost the city $26.20 each. Mayor Turner said this requires an ordinance, and Gallego said, okay, let's do the ordinance, implying right now, which got some laughs. Gallegos withdrew this amendment, and he referred it to the Quality of Life Committee. 14.04 proposed the establishment of an enterprise fund for solid waste. Gallegos spoke on the desperate situation in the solid waste department, overworked employees, late service, service cancellation, inability to address illegal dumping, and just so much more. He cited the broken glass theory that garbage encourages crime. Councilmember Alcorn said this is an example of outcome-based budgeting. Solid waste is not meeting their goals and needs more money, but she did agree this needs an ordinance, so it can't be solved today. Solid waste currently services an average of 1,300 homes per day when it should only be seven to 900. She said, quote, we're working these guys to death, end quote. Gallegos withdrew and referred this to the Quality of Life Committee. I personally really appreciate his commitment to trying to find funding for solid waste. So here are the amendments that passed. Amendment 5.01 from Alcorn, which was $500,000 for Bark. Amendment 6.02 from Peck, which is audit reports being presented to the BFA committee within 90 days of their production. Amendment 6.08 from Peck, Houston Public Library will partner with Harris County Public Library on digital services. Amendment 7.01 from Jackson, which is $20 million to reactivate the ditch maintenance program. And Amendment 8.03 from Cayman, $600,000 for the Houston Forensic Science Center. So finally, we can move on to the budget vote. With the proposed amendments squared, it was time to vote. Councilmember Kubosh was concerned that the budget did not provide for the potential outcome of Senate Bill 736 and would not support it. Mayor Turner said he wished Kubosh would change his mind, but he feels the budget is the strongest it has been in eight years. Turner said credit agencies will like this budget and SB 736 is an issue for the next administration to deal with. Councilmember Kamen highlighted how much money the revenue cap has cost the city, $340 million this year alone and up to $1.8 billion since its inception in 2015. Councilmember Martin waxed poetic about this bittersweet moment of his last budget vote on council. He foretold a budget deficit in fiscal year 26 and implored future administrations to heed his warning. And finally, the budget for fiscal year 2024 passed. Councilmembers Knox and Kubosh voted no. We will conclude this episode with a brief Councilmember pop-off. Councilmember Castex Tatum warned against shooting off guns during 4th of July celebrations. She said Crime Stoppers is offering rewards and HPD will be out and about. Councilmember Alcorn praised this year's budget season and said, I weirdly love the process. Same, Sally. Councilmember Plummer plugged a grants workshop with Houston Arts Alliance this Saturday, June 10th. She said, quote, let's get this money. Councilmember Peck remarked on last Friday's recycling service cancellation and suggested the city hire outside contractors for holiday weeks because it is a consistent problem. Councilmember Kamen plugged the Families with Pride event on June 24th at Levy Park. And finally, Councilmember Evan Shabazz gave an update on the attacks on the Columbia Tap Trail. Please look this up and be safe if you plan to ride the trail. And that's it for this meeting. Thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. If you think this project is worth supporting, I invite you to visit patreon.com slash Emily Takes Notes, and you will get a shout out on this very podcast. 
Also, thank you to ACLU Texas and Houston in Action for their support. This podcast has music by Joe Wozni, and it was produced by Connor Clifton. That's it for this week. I'm Emily Hines, and I thank you for listening. <laughs>